Welcome to the Relief Teachers Podcast, brought to you by Tradewind Australia. My name's Ian McNally, and this podcast is a recording from a live webinar in January 2021 with my colleagues and former principals, Billy Green and Terry Toomey. This webinar focused on the roles, responsibilities, and requirements of a relief teacher. Please refer to the show notes uh, for some guidance of how you can record this towards your professional development hours. And if you know any teachers or social workers who are looking for work at the moment, please get them to submit their CV through the Tradewind Australia website, which is also in the show notes, and we can help them on the next step of their career. I'll hand over to myself introducing the webinar and the unique situation that teachers find themselves in day one of the job. Billy, I'm going to start with you, but teaching is fairly unique as a profession in the respect that as soon as you qualify as a teacher, day one in the classroom, your responsibilities are no different to a teacher who's been teaching for 36 years. Most professions have a bit of a ramp up uh, for a junior uh, employee, but you could be a new grad walking in and your legal roles and responsibilities are exactly the same as a teacher who's 40 years experienced. It's fairly unique in that respect. Um, Probably the the most daunting prospect for a teacher and a relief teacher going into a school is safety requirements, uh, safety considerations in the school, building, in the classroom. What are the things that relief teachers should be considering in terms of keeping themselves safe and keeping the students safe? I think uh, we just want to uh, take a step back before I talk about some specific issues and just, you know, this is not just a a VIT um, idea or a school idea. This has actually been tested in the courts and teachers are uh, in put it in layman's terms, uh, taking the place of, if you like, of a parent. And if anything that could be seen to be likely to happen or does actually happen, you have to wear the responsibility for that. So it's really important to understand it's got a very strong legal background to this. And Terry might know more about that than I do, but it's not just a decision that VIT has taken or a school have taken. When you walk into a classroom or walk into a school, you have uh, specific responsibilities. And that would even go from the very moment you arrive at the school. Uh, if you walk, you, you can't turn up to the school, even if you are a, a um, CRT and walk past an incident that's happening and not be involved. You can't just say, oh, I don't work here. You are a teacher turning up to work on that day. You have responsibilities. So if a little uh, preppy's fallen over, um, banged their head and is bleeding or whatever, there's no, you can't, well, you wouldn't anyway, but you don't walk past that and say, oh, I don't really work here. That's not my responsibility. It is your responsibility. So that's just a really basic sort of uh, idea of what underpins all of this. It's a a responsibility you have to take very seriously and you need to make sure that you are across what those responsibilities are. So one of the things that you really need to look at, make sure you're across the child safe standards. Every school across Victoria, in fact, every organisation that deals with children, whether they're sporting clubs or cultural clubs or whatever, must subscribe to the child safe standards in Victoria. So you need to be across those. And I think you also need to be around, uh, across the issues around occupational health and safety. That's both for the students, for the teachers that you work with and for yourself. And that involves things like when you arrive at the school, um, you can't, for example, say, oh, I don't know anything about anaphylaxis. So therefore, if there's a kid in my grade with anaphylaxis, it's not my problem. It is an issue that you have to take on board. 
And I think you also need to be, as I said, aware of just things in terms of responsibilities, just even things that are really simple, specific things like uh, kids swinging on the, tilting back on their chairs, as quite a lot of kids often do. You are actually responsible for those issues. If that child was to fall back, whack their head or hurt themselves in any sort of way, and it's been, it can be proved that you've allowed that to continue through the day, that's not acceptable. So it's really important that you understand that you have got a, a serious role uh, as a teacher in the school and you don't have the get out clause of, oh, I'm only a CRT. And in fact, one of the themes that I think will come out right through this week when we talk about CRTs, but I reckon right through the, the whole of the January professional development is the closer you can make your role look like the role of a person that works in the school full-time or on a part-time basis, in other words, a, you know, a teacher that teaches all the time at a particular school, um, then the better the, the job will actually be, whether that's delivering lessons or working with another staff member or certainly around safety issues in schools. You know, if you're taking kids out to phys ed, you're taking kids to art, you're moving them from room to room, they all come with responsibilities and all of those things must happen in a safe and professional manner. Terry. Excellent, Billy. Look, I think the point you make there towards the end about schools wanting sort of a seamless transition, moving from, you know, teacher who's away for any reason to a CRT, I think is um, is critical because I think that that's the ideal situation. The more seamless the transition for teachers, students, and parents, then you know the the, the better the outcome all around. I think the points you make about responsibility are critical. Um, CRTs should be aware though that I think schools are very very keen to support them. I think in, in terms of this knowledge, because, um, you know, speaking as an ex-principal, I was always aware of my vicarious responsibility for everything that goes on in the school. And I think we're really keen to um, provide professional learning, um, whether it's by short-term, long-term induction or specific sessions that we run for teachers we're always keen to support teachers in terms of gaining that knowledge. But I just suggest those two things, Billy, that the reading of the documents that do exist on the department website, but also support that by having a look at what's on the school website in relation to the same themes. Because often what's written on the school website, one, it is less bureaucratic uh, and a little easier to read. Two, it, it will give you some cues about what the emphases are at that school and also the responsibilities of key personnel at the school, whether they be wellbeing, daily organisation, um, assistant principal or other key members of the, of the leadership team. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. I think the other thing that to help yourself out there too, as well as being across the documents and looking at the information on the school, and I think, again, this will come through in all of our work between now and the end of January, is you really need to have yourself a nice set routine or if you like a checklist so that when you turn up to a school ask them about those issues around are there any safety considerations that you need particularly around children with special needs now they may be uh, academic or they may be social emotional physical sorts of needs and ask them about um, in a, particularly in a, any issues around anaphylaxis and ask them about issues about when children move from room to room 
Now, the best of the schools will have will provide all of that information either through their daily organiser, through a CRT pack or in some sort of induction. But if you're unsure of those issues, then it's well worth uh, looking up. I'll give you an example of what Terry's talking about in terms of uh, looking at the school's specific rules around anaphylaxis or something like that. So they may have, there, there will be a general policy around that. But what the school may have at the school, particularly a primary school, maybe a situation where, and I know this was, uh, this is, is many schools, that children do not take any food outside, right? Now that's probably something that's not on the department website, but you might find that in many, many schools. The reason for not taking food outside is it restricts the uh, opportunity for um, foods that might be um, inappropriate for some kids being out there in the playground. So therefore all of the eating of the lunches or whatever will happen uh, inside the classroom. You may also find that a lot of classrooms don't want the kids to sit on the floor and eat because the chances of spreading, say for example, peanut butter around the school floor, which then may be con uh, a problem for some of the kids. Um, so they might have them eat at their desks. So they'll have those little um, things, even particularly these days, Terry, post-COVID about washing hands and sanitising. So all of those sorts of things are things that you need to be aware of, take responsibility for and build into your routines when you turn up to school so that you don't end up making errors. For example, you say, oh, yeah, the bell's gone. You guys can go out and eat your lunch today. And that may be completely inappropriate. So try to be across that by asking questions. If you're not sure, as Terry said, it's great to check the website. If you're not sure when you get there, just ask, particularly in this post-COVID or in this current COVID situation, what are the rules that schools have got around, um, you know, hand washing, uh, around sanitizer, um, you know, in some schools, you know, how, how close the kids are coming together, mask wearing, all those sorts of things are issues that you really need to be responsible for and you don't have the get out clause of, oh, I don't work here. The school will help you out, but make sure you've got your own systems in place to ask the right questions. The point you make, Billy, is an excellent one for CRTs for, for 2021 too, because even though we're all working in a, you know, COVID safe sort of uh, environment physically schools are so different um we're operating with schools that have been built in the last five ten years some schools were built you know a lot earlier this century as we know so how it plays out um is going to be different from school to school it's going to be more nuanced also we're dealing with young people from five years of age to 18 years plus in these environments so it, it i think it's really good to be aware uh, of what a COVID safe environment uh, looks like at the particular school you're going to be working in that day. Yeah. And I mean, just before we move on to the next topic, just always remember that, you know, I mean, this is teaching 101, uh, don't let the kids out of your sight. <laughs> so, you know, like occasionally um, you'll see kids in primary schools, probably happens in secondary, you know, they'll do a maths lesson where uh, they wander around the school counting how many trees there are or something. I was always, un I never felt very comfortable about that with teachers that worked there full time and had worked there for years. As a CRT saying to you, Grave, well, you can all go outside now and count the trees in the yard. Don't do that. <laughs> always keep the kids fairly well in control so that you can actually, you know, perhaps throw a, uh, a parachute over the top of them and keep them all. Don't let them work in other rooms. Even if they say to you, oh, Mrs. Smith, Mrs. Smith lets us go into the back room to do English, don't do that. Um, 
you will wear the responsibility for that. So make sure you set up situations where you've got control, where you feel personally safe about those, uh, those issues. Don't take on board and don't, even around taking phys ed lessons, for example, or even woodwork lessons or something, don't take on board things that are going to put you in a position where your own safety and your capacity to, um, to keep the kids safe is compromised. There's a couple of important things. Although the responsibility is individual, the approach should be as a team and even though you're a relief teacher you ask for help you know ask for a guidance ask for assistance if a student has an incident send uh, a couple of students to the next classroom and you know get on the phone um, don't do things alone just because the responsibility is uh, your individual uh, responsibility uh, we should have a team approach and and you can also if you go to a school and you're not satisfied with the protocols etc give Tradewind a call. We can help. We can work with the school uh, to cover those gaps. It's normally just a matter of communication rather than policy or any intent. So we can help to sort out that. But let's move on to, um, in terms of fulfilling your roles and responsibilities, but also covering yourself in terms of the documentation that you leave. I know certainly the expectation might have changed from when I was relief teaching um, uh, quite a few years ago. Some relief teachers would just, at the end of the day, walk out the door with the children and you never see them again. What is the responsibilities in terms of handover notes, Terry? Why are handover notes so important, even for an individual lesson, even if you're only covering, standing in to cover a drama class for 35-minute period? Why is it important that you would document anything from that 35 minutes if it was completely uneventful? If I'm the classroom teacher, I'm working with those students, you know, between three and five times a week for 40 weeks of the year for 90% of the time. Therefore, I think in the first place, if you're going to take uh, those students uh, for me as a CRT, then um, hopefully I will leave you some very useful, uh, you know, notes and um, there'll be some user-friendly expectations that'll be communicated either directly or from, from a daily organiser. But in, in terms of um, supporting you and supporting the students, I'll be particularly interested in how you go with those activities and how the students have performed. So I think anything that occurs, look, I'll, I'll be really, really interested to know positive or negative, it's a good way that I can support you. But also I think as a classroom teacher, one of the things that we would hate is knowing nothing. So, because the only feedback we'll get is from the students. And uh, sometimes that might be a little bit at odds with what, you know, you would provide. So I think, you know, one of the things that teachers, classroom teachers uh, hate is either work not being done that is left Therefore, if there's a good reason for work not being able to be completed, then please, you know, communicate that back to the classroom teacher. But it's also, I just think that communication is a key, Ian. And as a CRT, you're a potential colleague for the teacher. So in a way, you know, you're setting yourself up for a little examination there in terms of how you are potentially going to perform as a colleague, you know, how's your, how's your communication going to be? How are you going to work with other people? Uh, this might come to a shock to some of the people who've tuned in today, uh, Ian, but Terry and I have actually been around for a while. We were back in the days, though, when quite a lot of relief teachers would come in with their bag of tricks mm -hmm. and basically give the day, give the kids a circus day. So they never really followed the pro. They just 
did what uh, what had always worked for them, and they'd sort of troop around all the schools and produce their bag of tricks. And but that's not the situation, and it hasn't been the situation in schools now for a long time. Two of the things that schools are really, really a number of things, but certainly uh, the delivery of the curriculum program needs to be continuous, and that's where Terry's idea of a colleague comes up. So you are working with, not in place of. You are working with the teacher from the classroom and you are managing that curriculum that they've left you for the day, obviously, if it's there. And they want a consistency of practice. So they even want the delivery to be consistent and the way that the school operates. And they also want to see that um, uh, you uphold the school value, values. So it's really important that you don't go in and just discard anything that's been left for you and that you just go and do whatever you fancy yourself. And as Terry said, if you are um, taking on board what's been left, then it's really important that you make sure that you, at the end of the day, like any professional person would, and if Terry and I were, well, the three of us, we exchange ideas on these things and we share ideas. And if we, even for this today, I sent you guys some notes and some handover notes, if you like, about what we're going to do today. And so in other words, if that teacher walked in at the end of the day, it would be completely rude for you to turn around and walk out. Now, the fact that they're not there means you've got to leave them notes. You would want to talk to them, right, this is what we covered, this is what we didn't cover, we missed this because of these reasons. You would want to know if there were any particular students that had issues, how well they went, if there's any work that needs to be uh, followed up, how the engagement was, what the behaviour was, and if there are, again, if there are any individual behavioural issues that you either dealt with them at the school or you let the teacher know. Now, that's not um, uh, Dickensian checking up, that, that's professional behaviour. I would want to know when I walked in, well, because I don't want to walk in and find that nothing's been done. And I also don't want to walk in and think, oh, I don't know if they did it. And then the kids say to me, oh, we did this yesterday with Mr. Toomey. So I, I want to know where we're at. And, and that's handover notes are absolutely crucial. Uh, and it's a professional thing to do. Uh, Tradewind actually provide a um, template or a pro forma, which you can use. It's really well structured, makes it really easy to do. But if there's not one, either design your own or write notes at the end of the day. They don't take too long. Uh, now, of course, even if uh, teachers don't provide any work, I would still be leaving handover notes. Most of, most of the CRTs are smart enough and good enough to look around the room and see what the kids are at and what they're doing and follow on from that and say, well, and sometimes teachers do leave because they simply have to rush off at the end of the day. They may be ill or their child's had a fall or something and they've got to go and pick them up. But you usually be able to work out what uh, you can do and then leave the teacher a note. Uh, they don't have to be copious notes, but it's definitely important to leave them. And again, that is a professional responsibility. Yeah, I think one of the important things here is um, having done a lot of relief teaching work, I often felt invisible by the nature of being a relief teacher. You you sometimes feel invisible. And so doing these roles and responsibilities and leaving handover notes gives you some visibility. But also you might feel invisible, but if something happens and there's an investigation retrospectively, you'll be very visible. So you need to cover yourself as well, that you leave notes, that you've got a record of those notes that you leave. The teacher will be so appreciative of that if you leave comprehensive notes about what was covered, what you didn't get round to. And it also, it provides accountability in terms of behavior management because if the students can see you during the lesson taking a bit of time to record and say, these notes are going to your teacher, there's a bit of accountability as there, there as well. A um, couple of things uh, in terms of, uh, which follow on from the handover notes nicely is the recording and reporting side. Now, 
for a lot of relief teachers, that teaching standard of uh, reporting is kind of dismissed because it's like, well, I don't write end of term reports, uh, so I don't need to look at that one. But what about things in terms of things that you might see as a relief teacher, uh, which you would rather have not have seen? How do you uh, report, record that? How do you not step on anyone's toes in the school? What's the etiquette around it? There is a saying about, you know, the behavior you walk by is the behavior you accept. How should you go about that as a relief teacher in terms of, you know, maybe using some informal or formal channels to rep record and report? Billy? I, I think if we pick up on Terry's idea again around uh, colleague, uh, you actually have to take the position that that's, um, you, you are a colleague at the school. And quite often, as Ian said, even though you may feel invisible, the other teachers around and the principals may want to have access to that information that you have. Billy, just a, a really good tip on that point. What I used to do is carry a notepad uh, with a pen in it. So it was always together. If anything happened, I'd write the note, write the time, write the date, the place in the school that it happened, anybody else who was around who could verify. And then when I, at the end of the shift, when the children had gone home, I would take a picture on my phone and store it on Evernote or store it just in my um, picture so that you've got a digital record as well as the, so if you lose the notepad, you've still got that digital record. Now this is, this sounds like we're setting up these really negative scenarios. It's not like that at all. It's simply that if you are at a school uh, working there full time, you would still make notes of things. You would make notes all the time about it, all sorts of things, but you would also share things with colleagues and discuss issues. And that, in a sense, is your proof. But if you're not, if 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 you're working there on your own, you need evidence about things that have happened. And and that's particularly if uh, something happens untoward in the because uh, you do a lot of yard duty. Let's be honest, uh, as a um, relief teacher. So if things happen in the yard that you've seen and you've to a degree dealt with. But you, you can't quite be sure how the follow-up's going to be or what's going to happen next because you're not there and you, you might have to go off to the next class. Jot it down. It's really important to keep those records for your own safety, but also, you know, as Terry will tell you, probably doesn't happen quite as much in primary schools, but the average year nine kid might have a slightly different version to what happened, Terry, mightn't they? Oh, absolutely, Billy. And what you document or record or report can form part of a picture, I think, um, you know, you're putting, say, in a secondary school site, you might have, you know, 1,000, 1,200 kids between 12 and 18 on that site, so many million different interactions happening during the day. Most of those are positive, but just those uh, few percent of, of negative ones, anything that you see that you're concerned about and that you're not comfortable walking past, you should, um, you know, should document, whether it's for your own purposes or more generally, you might want to share that with the school, but I'd be talking to someone about it and I'll be getting my head around how the school um, handles those sorts of situations. So you can approach it in a similar sort of way and feel like there that you've got uh, more support in, in whatever it is that you choose to do. And sometimes, you know, you make, we make, we try and make informed judgments one way or another about whether we do something or whether we don't do, do anything. But, um, but I think even just talking to people at the school, raising it, with um, you know someone you build a relationship with, there uh, they'll share with you how they would handle that situation, and it, I think it can be invaluable learning. Yeah, and I think the other thing is you know you, recording notes sometimes looks like um, it's somewhat adversarial, 
confrontation. It's not, you know, you're not going to publish these notes and you do have to be discreet and you do have to avoid anything that's going to uh, uh, infringe on anyone, the kids or other teachers' privacy. You can't, um, uh, but it's for your own protection and try to always write things if you do record them in that very objective style try not to write it in any sort of emotive sort of reactionary sort of way if something for some reason happens post that you've got a record of what actually happened whereas if you don't write anything down you'll it's just you'll you don't you don't have that sort of validation if you need it so recording and reporting is uh, a safety precaution for yourself and it still carries a lot of weight but as terry said you're best to ask around and get to try to pick things up as you go. But if you're in, I, I would just go default position. If I'm unsure, unsettled, uncertain, stay calm and just jot a couple of things down. We've had a comment um, from Kerry just saying about could a report that you record incriminate you? It's probably a good time to talk about how you safeguard yourself as a teacher, how you use uh, recording and reporting to safeguard yourself rather than incriminating yourself. But one of the critical factors in that is following protocol. Terry, how important is following a school's individual protocol or your roles and responsibilities as a teacher to safeguard yourself? And how do you go about finding out a school's individual protocols? And, and when should you be asking about that? As early as possible, I think, Ian. If there's information available on the website before I went to a school, I would be definitely accessing it. I would be asking the daily organiser or assistant principal that I was dealing with um, what are the expectations in relation to dealing with, you know, particular circumstance. Um, and I'd be sort of checking back with people as I do. Also, I think, um, you know, CRTs would be acting in good faith. I think anything that you write on paper, though, you can expect um, it could play out in another theatre down the track. So keep it accurate, keep it brief, keep it circumspect. Um, I wouldn't be sort of um, using colourful language or, or anything like that because anything these days that we put on paper uh, can, can end up in another forum. I'm just making sure I was informed about how other teachers in the school deal with these sort of situations. You know, one of the things that are put on Compass, that's a platform that's now much more generally used in schools, but, you know, notes and that around students, you know, what sort of things go on there? Uh, how are they couched? Uh, what's the process sort of for doing that? Um, you might be able to get access to that and have a look at it. That, I think that'd be good professional learning too. Billy, Billy, when we talk about protocol, what type of protocol do teachers need to follow? Start of the biggest picture is that you're looking at school values. So one of the things, as Terry said, if you're going to a school you've not been at before and you may be going to say... Uh, some um, uh, religious-based sort of schools, and they will have particular values and particular ways, even particular ways of dressing, and so will a lot of schools. Um, so you need to be across what's expected in those schools. So that's it, your big picture thing. But as I said before, schools are really keen now for CRTs to maintain their values, to uh, teach the curriculum and, and the strategy. So around simple things like protocols, they will every school will have a behaviour management policy and a behaviour management practice. Some schools will allow CRTs to default to the sort of three-point behaviour was warning, movement, report, if you like. So that's a fairly basic one. And that's the one that I know Tradewind would recommend in the absence of anything else that a school has. So in other words, uh, you explain to the child, uh, they've been given a first warning, explain what tasks that they need to do, get them back onto work, mention that if they can't do that, I'll have to move you to another spot. 
all that sort of typical teacher management behavior, that's fine. But some schools will have quite specific behavior management protocols. If they have a specific behavior management protocol and they go to the trouble of inducting you, telling you about it, or it's in the CRT folder, then it is incumbent on you to implement that. And if you don't, you are asking for a problem. So that if you don't follow the, the, what they've gone to the trouble of explaining to you, even though you may not think it's the greatest policy ever or the greatest protocol, it's expected that you do it. Similarly around things, as I mentioned before, around safety, around lunch times, about dismissal, about movement from rooms, even around rewards. Again, a lot of primary schools particularly have sort of reward systems and uh, point systems and whatever. If they have those and they explain them to you and they expect that you, you implement them, I mean, you may not agree with them, but you are expected to do them. So it's protocols are really important. And as Terry said, the only way you can find those out is either jump on the website or as I said earlier, have yourself a little routine in the morning and a checklist and ask them what you, uh, they would like you to do. Now, over the years, almost every school has a particular way of managing a particular issue, whether that's marking the role or whether that is um, how the kids move from room to room or how they manage lunch orders. Whatever it is, there's all sorts of ways that schools do it. It's not your role to agree or disagree with it. Uh, it's your role largely to implement it. As I said, if you have any issues or things get tripped up along the way, just recall what goes wrong. But following protocols is important. Uh, and again, going back to Terry's notion, this is going to be a theme we'll keep coming back to, you're a colleague and all the other teachers are doing it. That's what the school does it's best if you do that as well. Yeah, and just on that, you mentioned, uh, Billy, about uh, recording student attendance. How important is that? Oh, absolutely crucial. I, look, I wasn't... <laughs> in my first year of teaching, I, uh, we saw the photo before, don't worry, um, I wasn't quite across, um, um, and I remember this clearly, I remember the woman's name, but I won't mention it, the vice principal came around to have a look at my role. <laughs> after the first couple of weeks and I'd sort of forgotten to do it <laughs> well it didn't seem that important I was uh, I knew the kid's name so I didn't why did I need the role uh and um, she pointed out to me that it was a legal document which you had to mark before and after lunch and it wasn't like um random or oh isn't he what's the name here today and it wasn't just there as a list of people to get to know Legal document, it's really, really important. I mean, it's important just even for the department records, but it's important, you know, if there's any issues around attendance, particularly, you know, if there's any issues around uh, parent divorce or issues around child's attendance at school, child's performance at school. Um, there's even like school funding, you know, marking the role is absolutely crucial. Now, uh, these days, most schools will get you to mark it uh, electronically some won't though because it sort of can be complicated with passwords and access to compass and things but whatever it is and I, I would imagine Terry in every classroom that you, they take at a high school they'd have to mark the role they're usually around 9 30 ish when the kids have arrived and certainly after lunch it's really important uh, it's written in the act two hours before two hours after we have to do those four hours of teaching a day so yep yeah marking look, the role is not, yeah <laughs> yeah good not point billy and i think not just a list of who's in your grade no and it's uh it's further complicated sometimes when we send those absences automatically home to parents um and it's just sort of generated via the system um, that a secondary school may well use part of that package is allows you to let parents know early in the day you might they might get a 10 o'clock text or message um just informing them 
or confirming that their student is not at school. And there's nothing more embarrassing from a school perspective, of course, if that student is at school, but the, the role hasn't been marked correctly. And, uh, you know, I can tell you uh, from personal experience as, as a principal, uh, it's not a lot of fun fielding those calls from parents um, who are assuring me that their um, their child is at school when we've marked them absent. So, uh, yeah, need to get that right. We do have a couple of uh, questions that we'll answer in a moment, but we'll finish on one of my favourite topics because this is probably uh, something that we might hear about a fair amount of trade wind if um this probably is an emotional reaction for uh, teachers who come back to the um, well-kept classroom to find that it wasn't in the state that they left it. Often this is not the relief teacher's fault. They might have left it in a nice state or for one reason or other something has happened or a relief teacher gets a class in the middle of the day and goes to a classroom and it, it has been left in a mess. Billy, in your experience tidying the room it seems a trivial thing for a role and responsibility when we've talked about all these legal responsibilities and requirements but why is a tidy room important it can be really important and i know it's one that we can make a, a bit of a joke of but again if we come back to that theme of colleague if we you turn up the next day and you might have had a one or two days off work and for quite a serious it could have been a bereavement could be your child's broken their arm or you could just have been ill right uh, so you're heading back to work. The very last thing you want to walk into is uh, half an hour's work of tidying stuff up, picking stuff off the floor, trying to find where everything's been put that's not where it was, even finding that your, um, you know, your best hidden glitter has been used all over the place. And you just do not want to walk into that situation. So it's apart from a courtesy thing, uh, it's just thinking that if I was a colleague here, or if I was going to walk back into my classroom, uh, I would want it to be, as I said, I, you want them to continue with the curriculum program. You want to, them to follow the protocols of the school. And if the classroom is established in a certain way, uh, that's how they would want it at the end of the day. I'll just give you an example. It's a bit different. I worked at a, a fantastic, uh, a beautiful old uh, school uh, and quite often, film companies wanted to use our school uh, to shoot their films or their TV commercials or whatever. And we made reasonable money. It was a bit of an inconvenience, but we made reasonable money out of that. But we were absolutely adamant that uh, they were 100% scrupulous in returning the classroom to the teacher as it was left. So they would use their um, people to, you know, their um, continuity people to take countless photos of the classroom uh, and then they would make sure that it was delivered in that same way. Now, I'm not suggesting for a moment that you go in and take, start taking pictures of the classroom. In fact, again, don't use your phone, I'd recommend. But, you know, if, if you walk into a classroom that's in a certain state, aim to leave it at least that good or better. Uh, okay, so it's really important because you are working, as I said, with the person who's away, not... So if there's, um, if there's pictures and stuff on the world, wall, there's kids' stuff that's displayed... Whatever it is, if there's, don't go and use all the best resources and make a mess. And, and if, you know, the kids will occasionally spill things, make sure it's all cleaned up. You don't want that person to come back into a room that's not ready and fit for purpose that they left it. Now, and occasionally you will walk into a room that's messy and that's possibly because the teachers had to leave 
in a hurry, well then do the right thing. And, you know, it's a good thing for the kids anyway, to make sure it's cleaned up and ready to go. So it's, a, it's apart from courtesy, it's a professional colleague sort of thing to make sure that the room's left in a, uh, in the state that it should be. Oh, and just on that, one of the biggest problems you have as a CRT is, and this is what will happen, is that you leave until 3.28 to start packing up. Don't do that at all. Pack up at about quarter past three, get everything perfect, then get the kids on the floor and have a game or have a story. This, I'm talking primary here. But uh, so one of the problems at CRTs is they leave it right till the end of the day, then pack up. Of course, the kids won't do as they're asked. Then the, the bell goes, they walk out the room, you've got a mess. So um, make sure that you pack up as you go during the day. Uh, so that things aren't left as a, to a rush at the end of the day. And Terry, there's also a health and safety issue here, isn't there? If there's things on the floor, even if it's just pieces of paper or there's piles of things on the floor, um, there's a health and safety issue, isn't there? Which, again, it's in your control as a, as a teacher to um, be on top of these things. You know, secondary schools where there's just constant movement uh, during the day, people hate going into classrooms that haven't been left properly before or after breaks there's nothing worse than going in with a class of year eights or nines and having to spend the first you know 10 minutes getting the room looking like what it should that's 10 minutes it comes out of the class it's uh, more challenging than perhaps to settle the kids down exactly the way that you would like it's not a great start um and also um you know just reflects really badly on who was in that room uh, beforehand so I think always leave a room as you would expect or hope to find it yourself yeah can I just pick up that point there um, it's not a great look uh, quite often um, and we'll we're going to do with these uh, during January uh, one of the best ways to pick up a job in a school is to be a great CRT um, one of the quickest ways to lose your reputation you might have had a good day in the classroom and done quite well but if at uh, 8.30 or even at recess, the teacher comes over to me as the boss and says, I don't know who was in that room yesterday. It was a damn disgrace. And she is hot under the collar and fuming. I've got a problem. And I'm going to be thinking that, say, well, I don't want them here because it's caused, I've just copped a whack from the teacher, uh, which I don't really need. So, it, you know, you might think you've up, gone, not a problem. Well, it is a problem the next day if you if they whinge about what's happened. Uh, Terry, would you agree with that? Oh, look, yeah, absolutely, um, Billy. And, you know, it, it undermines, if you think you've had a good day at the school, then, you know, I think it completely undermines it. I think the room, every room that you're in needs to be left as you've, you know, found it. And um, even if it means you spending some time in there at recess, lunchtime or after school yourself, making sure that it's, um, you know, it looks that way. Yeah, for sure. And on the other, the flip side of that, Ian, of course, is if you come back in the room, it looks fantastic. And they come <laughs> out and say, who was in there? They were great. Get yeah. them back. And then it's like, <laughs> good. Yeah, let's get them again. It does actually make that difference because you're dealing with people who are, you know, come back to work a bit sick, you know, not great, or you've had a tough time away. They don't want to walk into a mess. And if they walk into a mess, they usually react. So it, it, it sounds minuscule, but it actually is important. But I think it's all of those things like leaving handover notes make you visible as a relief teacher. Leaving a tidy room makes you visible. Um, you know, talking to and thanking significant uh, leadership members 
you know when you leave at the day makes you visible so it's all of those things that will make you memorable and uh, increase your opportunity for work um, we're just going to deal with a couple of questions that we've had during the course of the webinar we've got one uh, which is just regarding the scenario if you see a grade four student trying to take out a big bag of minties other mints are available uh, each of the size of 20 cents coins out to the yard for lunch is this a safety issue might you encourage the student just to take a few but the student might say well i'm normally allowed to do that team teacher allowed it and told not to worry about the those incidents if parents send it then we should allow it what's the scenario there billy as a primary uh say uh minefield <laughs> thanks for that question <laughs> uh Look, that, that's a document. That's one I'd document. If you, I would ask the team teacher or the person alongside colleague, I would be surprised if they said that is totally fine. But if they did, I would definitely document that. Uh, because if you make a fuss and say no, you, you could cause a problem for yourself. So I would definitely check with somebody else. My initial reaction would be the reaction, which I think is coming through from our, um, our uh, from the, question and that is I don't think that's a great idea how about you just take one or two uh, again however if you ask the question before the start of the day what's the thing about kids eating stuff in the yard and the school says we don't care they can do what they like that's fine I record it and think well that's not what I think but I think Terry's idea earlier check with someone else find out as much as you can document it if you think it's an issue but Again, it's a bit like, not the same as, it's a bit like some of the people in the old days that used to, uh, they don't do it now so much, but they wouldn't let the kids go to the toilet in primary school and then the kid would wet their pants and that's like disaster. So what you do in that situation is let them go. If they go six times in the morning, go and talk to someone and they'll say, oh, they, yep, they've got a problem. They do that all the time or I might have a word to them. So yeah, those things are fraught. There's no doubt about that. But I would gently encourage no mint, not that many outside, but find out what the rule is and uh, don't break the rule. Um, Terry, this question is for you. It's not addressed to you. I, I'm just addressing it to you. Um, <laughs> uh, in terms of um, Billy spoke before about, you know, you're on, you're on your way to a, a class. An incident happens while, whilst you're on your way, maybe from a lunch break or something, and you're going to your classroom. Uh, something happens how do you deal with that priority responsibility of dealing with that situation but also knowing that there's 30 students waiting outside of that classroom for your presence how do you balance out that um and what what steps should you take to kind of mitigate that risk yeah good very very good question and uh, can and does happen um, and sometimes you've got to make really quick judgments. It depends on how important the situation is that you've walked past or you've observed on the way to class. Um, also, it might depend on how well you know your class. Um, what are they going to be like outside that room for another 30 seconds, 60 seconds, however long it takes for you to work through the other issue. I'll be trying to involve somebody else. Uh, it's where it's really handy to know other people that are teaching around you. You can mention it to them straight away. Um, if it's something in the yard, you can make sure that students alert the office or the assistant principal uh, immediately. It's also good if you've got your mobile phone with you that you can just ring. Um, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a mobile for the daily organizer, assistant principal, uh, or the office number, um, you can ring and let them know. 
immediately. It's it's sometimes it's a hard call about which you know who do you leave. If someone's been injured, you don't want to you don't want to leave them. Um, or if there's an issue brewing, you want to have eyes on it. But you've also got absolute responsibility for that class that um, you're going to take when that bell goes at eleven o'clock. So um, I'd be trying to as quickly as I I can involve somebody else to support me. There's often no hard and fast rules, and and try to picture yourself as being a teacher at the school permanently. If it was me and I walk past, I think, right, I've got to assess this. Uh, as Terry said, how important is this versus me not being there with that class? Who can I get to help at this point? Because I do have to go at some point. If it's really serious, I have to stay and I'll have to send someone else to the class. So therefore I've got to engage somebody. Yeah, you've got to make calls. Uh, and again, this gets right back to where we started in the very first sentence, if you like. As a CRT, uh, you've got responsibilities and they're not diminished because you're not there all the time. So you've got to make a teacher working full time. Terry is a principal at the school that he was at before he retired. Would also have to make that same call, Terry, wouldn't you? If you're heading off to some spot and you walk yep. past something, you've got to make the call. Do I stay or I do I get to that parent meeting? Uh, you know about the kid that's going to be expelled, and that's really important. I have to be there, but I've got a kid with a broken arm. So you engage others. You've got to deal with the situation in a responsible way as an as a you know as a parent or an adult. That's your legal responsibility. So, yeah, by all means, you might have thirty kids waiting for you, but if a kid's got a broken leg, you can't just walk past him. Quick question or oh, quick answer from you, Billy. Uh, it's uh, we've got a, a scenario here, which is. Um, Three CRTs were in assigned lunch yard duty. A message came over the PA asking those CRTs to check that there were no blockages in the children's toilet. The CRTs were uncomfortable with doing that, thought it was a maintenance job. One of the CRTs was approached by the principal and told to personally check the toilets. What would you do in that situation, Billy? As the principal or as the CRT? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. When it started, it started like a joke. Three CRTs are in the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Um, sorry, I should be serious. Um, as a CRT, if I was directed by the principal, the first thing I'd actually want to do is to make sure there are no kids in the toilet, like no kids in that area. Uh, and then if I still felt very uncomfortable as that, I'd say I feel uncomfortable about being in this situation. Uh, I'll need you to accompany me, with me or I want someone else to go with me. So that's what, you know, as a witness, if you like. So if there were three CRTs and they all felt uncomfortable, which I would, uh, I would at least be having, well, if, if you could, I'd get at least one, potentially three, but you can't really, uh, it seems strange that they would want all these CRTs in the one area. So who's looking after the rest of the school? Seems a strange thing to do, but nonetheless, uh, saying it's a maintenance role, look, one of the problems with schools is, um, if I said as my role as either a teacher or a principal over all the years I worked, that's a maintenance role, well, the toilet would still be overflowing and the tap would still be squirting. Sometimes, yes, it is a maintenance role, but you've just got a role there as well. Terry, you'd agree, I'm, unfortunately, like sometimes, you know, I have been on the roof and I shouldn't have probably been cleaning out gutters because otherwise the water's pouring down the walls of the, you know, there's a point at which you can and you can't do stuff. Just saying it's a maintenance role, probably, but I would definitely, in terms of um, managing that issue, I would, I would 
state that I was uncomfortable and I would definitely want to have a witness if I had to go in there and I definitely wouldn't want any kids in there when I went in there. Yeah, look, good, a, good answer, Billy. And I think, look, as a CRT, it's your, not, not your job to fix it, but no. sometimes you can just be in this situation inadvertently. And I think you're right. You just make sure the area is cleared, that you let the school leadership or administration know, uh, or, or you just communicate back to them. Yes, there's a problem. No, there's not. Um, it's not your job to fix it, but sometimes it just can be um, very uh, clear communication can make a difference. And as you and I know, you can never get a maintenance man when you need one anyway. No. Um, so, you know, teachers often got to hold the fort for a, a short time, but you should never feel under any pressure to, to fix something unless that's within your specific area of expertise. But it's just a matter of um, ensuring students are, are safe and not wandering into that area if they yeah. shouldn't be. Because I, I can only imagine Ian, what might have happened is that some kid might have gone to the office and said, uh, the, the boys' toilet's flooding. Yeah. And uh, they might have said, oh, well, you sure? Well, I think so. Um, and then they'd say, well, could someone just have a quick check? That may have been the scenario that I'm thinking of. So you're not expected to fix it or anything. It's just they want to verify whether that's the right info. But, again, it's, um, yeah, it's a funny one, but it comes up. And, look, they're just the things that happen, unfortunately, in schools. It's not, you know, if I, you know, because you could ask a staff member to do that, Terry, couldn't you? You just say, can you just check those toilets are working properly? And they, but again, I, as a staff member, would want no kids in the area and I want someone to come with me. Excellent. That, it wasn't short, but it was good. Uh, <laughs> uh, just a couple of other things we'll just cover. Um, Shahida um, just said that she had yard duties at recess, lunchtime and after school. That's too much. So if you're having any problems, do get in touch with your consultants at Tradewind. We can organise that or talk to the school. Quickly, Kerry just asked about, uh, do you name other teachers when you're reporting if they're uh, participating in a particular incident, uh, even though you think they haven't used protocol? Kerry, I would say that uh, it's not your judgment to say whether they follow protocol uh, or not. Just record the facts. Just record what you did. Just report what happens in a matter-of-fact way. Uh, and those people who are paid more to judge will do the judgment um that seems like a nice uh way to end thank you gentlemen see you shortly thanks, you. thanks shortly. billy thank thanks, you everyone. bye thank you so much for listening to the relief teachers podcast brought to you by tradewind australia please do share this podcast with anybody who you think might find it useful and do refer to the show notes to record it as part of your professional development hours if you need any help or support as a relief teacher please get in touch with us at tradewind through our website or call us on 1800 192 195 thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time for another episode of australia's leading relief teaching podcast